This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I'm excited to preach tonight, and I'm always excited to open up the Word of God and to be able to speak His Word. And I know that the Lord has something for us tonight because He has something for me. And uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord has for me tonight. And I, I pray that you're excited to see what the Lord has for you. Genesis chapter 22 will find our place tonight. We're going to look at a story within the life of Abraham that I believe is, is one of the most touching it's one of the most moving, one of the most tender and compassionate moments that we find throughout the book of Genesis. Uh, this is the famous passage, very familiar passage, in which we have the record of the sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah. Now, I'll have to say that out of all the 50 incredible chapters that Moses, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, records for us in the book of Genesis, this uh, perhaps is my favorite account, this, my favorite record of them all. Not because of the characters, not because of the suspense, not because of how dramatically climactic the story unfolds necessarily, but because of how relevant this account is to our daily lives. It's impossible for me to read Genesis chapter 22 and not be immediately smote with conviction, uh, with gratitude, and with praise all at the same time. And so, I want you to look with me what God has for us tonight, and I'd like to speak to you on this subject, the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. Look with me in verse 1. The Bible says, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, and it came to pass that after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now think here for a minute with me what's going on here in this text. Just in the first two verses of Genesis chapter 22, Abraham was a man that God had called out of a distant land. He was a man who had entered into a unique covenant with God in which God had, in his sovereign power, promised him that out of his seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. He even told him, if you remember, that his descendants would be as the stars of the sky and of the sand of the sea. So Abraham had to wait for years for that promise of God, that promise from God to be fulfilled. Many of you know the story. Abraham and Sarah were married, and in her old age and in her barrenness, Sarah would conceive a son in whose name was Isaac. They would conceive a son in their old age and whose name was Isaac. And why was he named Isaac? Think with me for a moment. Why was he named Isaac? What does Isaac mean in Hebrew? It means laughter. It means laughter. When God came to Sarah and said, you're going to have a baby, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, from what the Bible records, was broke out in laughter. Are you kidding me? Me? I'm going to have a baby? This was certainly a shock to not only Sarah, but to Abraham. Uh, but this was God fulfilling his promise. 
But here it is. When Isaac was born, Abraham saw, he witnessed the tangible, physical evidence of God's faithfulness to his promise. Think of this. Abraham began to rejoice as the Bible records. He couldn't believe that he was the father of that child. And out of that child, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. This is a powerful account we find here in Genesis chapter 22. And then as that child, that promised gift from God to Abraham and Sarah, as he begins to grow, as he begins to be nurtured and grow to be three, four, five, six years of age, God comes to Abraham and calls out his name. And what does it say in the text? He replies, and he said, behold, here I am. It's like Abraham is saying, here I am, Lord, whatever you want, God, I'm ready to respond. That's in essence what he's saying here in his response to God by saying, behold, here I am. Uh, This was a response of readiness. This was a response of thankfulness to the God who had promised him uh, so much, to the God who had blessed him with that son, Isaac, that only authentic son, Isaac. Then God lays this news upon Abraham, and he says, okay, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. Follow me here. If you're in the habit of marking notes, I'd like for you to write down, number one tonight, I want us to look at Abraham's obedience. Abraham's obedience. We see that Abraham took. What did he take? The Bible says, God said to Abraham, take now thy only son. In essence, what God's saying here, take your son to Mount Moriah and kill him. Kill him. Think of this. As a test of your obedience to me. Now, this is unthinkable. Uh, This is a command that is in a radical conflict with and in every way contrary to the moral law of God. How could God be asking Abraham to do this terrible, wicked thing? I think of it from a father's perspective. Take now thy son, thy only son, and go give him to me as a sacrifice. Go take his life. Go on this journey to take your own son's life. Now, I think of that now. I knew that I've, I've known this story um, for almost the existence of my being. I grew up in church, and uh, my dad would preach from this. Other preachers would preach from this text, and we'd learn of this in Bible school. And I'd hear the story of Abraham and Isaac, but to be honest with you, it never really hit home to me uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually even, really, until I had a son of my own. And I I put myself in that position. Just imagine the position that Abraham was in. It's unimaginable. It's unthinkable. You put yourself in that position tonight. Father, put yourself in that position tonight. So I want you to think with me, though. I want you to notice something here. If all God said was, Abraham, take your son and go kill him, what do you think Abraham would have done? Well, how many sons did Abraham have? He had two. He had two. He also had Ishmael from Hagar. Abraham would have certainly not chosen his only authentic son. He would have taken Ishmael. Now, even still, it's horrific to think about. It's unimaginable to think about why God would ask one of his most devoted servants to go take his son and kill him. But even then, we know, 
And like we're going to read about, we know that Abraham was so devoted to God. His life was so given to God that we know that as painful as it was, Abraham was going to obey. So that being said, who do you think he would have took if God, all God said was take your son to Mount Moriah and offer them, him there as a sacrifice? He would have taken Ishmael. Bible says, take now thy son, thine only son. As if God was not clear enough, he specifies. He says, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac. And is, as if it wasn't clear enough, then he ends the command, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. This was a promise of God. This was a blessing to Abraham and Isaac. Through this, the nations of the world would be blessed. Think of this. And God wants to end that, at least in Abraham's mind. But Abraham knew God was at work, and he knew that this was to be done for a reason. So we see here that Abraham took, he took his son Isaac. We see here that Abraham rose. Look with me in verse 3. It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now verse 3 begins with words that have really puzzled commentators and theologians for centuries. I'll be honest with you, it puzzled me. He rose up early in the morning to do this, to do this. It says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. Now, you may be like me, and when you read these words, you think, well, of course, Abraham was rising up early uh, from his sleep in immediate and willing obedience. Why? Because whatever God told Abraham to do, he was prepared to do it. Abraham was a devoted servant of God, and whatever God told him to do, no matter hard, uh, how hard the task, Abraham was going to do it. Now, you may be like me, and when you initially read this text, that's what you think, but that's not what's going on here. Uh, as I begin to think and study deeper into this, this action of Abraham, I begin to factor in one very important factor, reality. Reality. Uh, a famous theologian once said, when I turn to the Old Testament, the thing I find is a life and a pattern that breathes reality. These are real people like you and like I. Uh, people with flesh and blood like you and like me, people who don't always find it easy to obey the commandments of God. So what conclusion do we come to? The only reason that Abraham rose up early in the morning was simply because he couldn't sleep. I can imagine he was tossing and turning all night long. Abraham could not sleep. Put yourself in this position. He, I can imagine he had this mind of, hey, let's get it over with. Let's get it over with. How many of you have ever been so burdened by something or someone that no matter what you did, uh, you couldn't rest, you couldn't sleep, it was consuming your mind, your, every ounce of your being, it was controlling every part of you. This was Abraham. This was Abraham. We see a third thing in Abraham's response. We see not only that he took, that he rose, but that Abraham prepared. The third level of obedience here, Abraham prepared. Abraham prepared for this himself. Now understand that. Abraham prepared for this difficult task himself. What does verse 3 say? It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. 
So we see here that the responsibilities that a man as wealthy as Abraham would have never done, these responsibilities were done by him. They were done by him, not by his servants, not by his son. Why? Because this was a responsibility given to specifically Abraham. Now, when I think of this, he clave the wood himself. <laughs> to be honest with you, it immediately takes my mind back to uh, my childhood and how when we didn't have anything to do or when it was coming to the wintertime and, you know, we had a big fireplace growing up in our home. And what did we do when we didn't have anything better to do or we are annoying our mom or not doing our chores or something like that? What, would, what did we do? All the trees in our gigantic forest of a yard that were hit down or blown down or whatever, even if they weren't, they're standing strong and tall. My dad would say, hey, go get the axe, go chop those down, and let's chop up some, some wood blocks, all right? Then he'd say, now take those, those wood stacks and take them and put them in this pile. And we'd say, oh, that's a lot of work, but okay. So we'd get that, we'd chop the trees down or we'd whatever, something uh, laying around, we'd, we'd chop it up and we'd get into these wood blocks and we'd put it in the wood stack. And then he would say, all right, boys, that takes us three hours to do, right? And then he'd say, all right, boys, now take that wood pile and take it all the way across the two-acre yard. What? Just do it. Okay, so we'd take this, and we'd go all the way to the other, and then we'd come back inside. We'd annoy my mom a little bit because we didn't have anything better to do. Then we'd say, all right, boys, I want you to go back outside, and actually, I changed my mind. Take that wood pile and take it all the way back to where you originally had it. My point in the matter is this. If you're a father, all right, now Bennett and Baylor aren't old enough to do this, but when they do, when they are old enough, you better believe I'm going to have them stacking the, the wood piles. All right, he would have certainly had Isaac do this. He would have certainly had his servants do this. But no, this was a responsibility that God gave Abraham himself. This was something that God told Abraham, I want you to do this. And not just to do it, but I want you to prepare for it. Show me your obedience, Abraham. So we see that Abraham did this here himself. Now think about it. Let's factor in the human element here. He's chopping up the wood that he'll soon light and will consume his son's own flesh. This is unimaginable. I, I can only imagine the frustration, the fears, the anger that's exuding from his arms, from his very being. But no matter the confusion of, of, of the whole situation, no matter the fear, no matter the pain, Abraham was willing to obey. You see, Abraham was a man whose life was totally in every way given to God. This was a man who sat on the fence. Uh, this wasn't a man um, who, who, who went through the motions week in and week out, a man who simply put on his Sunday best. He sang his congregational songs. You know, he went to Sunday school. He dressed up for church. He did this, but the rest of the week, he just threw it up on the rack. No, this was not who Abraham was. He was a man whose life was completely and radically changed for the glory of God. And it was totally devoted to him. So although this was the most difficult task he had ever faced leading up to this point in his life, he trusted his Lord, and he knew that God was putting him through this for a very specific reason. Church, can I tell you tonight, when you are faced with circumstances that emotionally, that physically, that spiritually shake you to the very core of your being, will you trust him? Will you obey him? Think of this, will you continue to praise him? 
Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Wow, what a slap in the face to me. Why? Because there's so many times that I find myself grumbling. I find myself murmuring and complaining. And God, I mean the most petty of things. But in Psalm chapter 34, in verse number one, the Bible says, or the psalmist says, I will. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. No matter what the circumstances, will you trust him? Will you obey him? Will you continue to praise him? Think of that. Even in the bad times, even in the difficult times, even when things aren't going exactly how you thought they would go, life's a journey with a lot of bumps. But God is in control of it all. He knows exactly where you'll be 10 years from now. When Kaylee and I first got married, it's been five wonderful years. When Kaylee and I first got married, not too long ago, I remember talking to Pastor Hooks just at his home or in his office, and we'd be talking, and I'd think, you know, I wonder what God has for us five years from now. I wonder what God has for us ten years from now. And he'd always look at me and he'd say, Andrew, don't think that way. You walk in the will of God daily. You don't have to worry about where you're going to be ten years from now. God will lead you if you're following him. God was leading Abraham. R.C. Sproul once said, If Christianity is threatened by anything in our day and age, it is threatened by the intrusion of superficiality. That faith means saying your prayers once or twice a day, putting a blessing over the food, and throwing your dollar into the collection plate when God is playing for keeps. He wants a man's life. He wants your life. He wants my life fully, completely. Verse 3 says, and he rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. May we as children of God respond in obedience to whatever the Lord has for us, to whatever task he has in front of us. We see in these first few verses the description of the heavy task God has given to Abraham, and we see his response of obedience. Notice with me the second thing that Abraham displays, Abraham's faith. I want us to look at Abraham's faith. Look with me in verse 4 and verse 5. The Bible says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Note here, now as we come to verse 5, I want to mention uh, that this is not the first mention of Abraham's faith being displayed in this passage. This was not the first mention of that. Uh, I want to make this very clear because the Bible has made this very clear. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Abraham's faith is displayed in this story as a whole. Uh, It does not necessarily begin in verse 5, although we're looking at it now in verse 5. Abraham's faith was displayed in his initial response back in verse 3. It was displayed in the sovereignty of God. You see, Abraham had enough faith in God Uh, that he had an assurance that God was doing this for a reason. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't even comprehend it. But he knew that in God's power, in his authority, in his control, there was a purpose. There was a purpose to this divine command. And by that command, Abraham obeyed. So the first demonstration of Abraham's faith was not in verse 5. It was in verse 3. Obedience and faith go hand in hand. What's the lesson we learn from this? We're not always going to understand why God does things. 
We're, we're not always going to be able to comprehend why God asked us to do things. We're not always going to be able to understand why certain things take place in our life, but if we'll purpose to have faith through the storms, just like we heard this morning, to praise Him through the storms, have faith through the storms, have faith through the confusion, faith through the unknown circumstances of life, I'm here to tell you that God will see you through. Many of you have been living a lot longer than I have, and you have seen God's hand of provision, God's hand of leading in and through your life. Praise Him for it tonight, and trust Him that He'll do it again. So in verse 3, we see the first demonstration of faith in God's sovereignty. And now as we look in verse 5, we see the first demonstration of His faith in God's provision. The song we just heard, God will provide. We see now in verse 5, his faith in God's provision. As the trials and circumstances of your life, as they begin to increase, as they begin to come to a climactic moment, as they begin to reach the point to where you cannot physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually even go any further, will you have enough faith to trust that God will provide? What will he provide? He'll provide strength for the journey. He'll provide praise from your lips. He'll provide the tangible things. He'll provide the spiritual things. He'll provide it all. And as we continue to read in this passage, we find that just that God does provide. The command of God to Abraham is one of the greatest challenges. This is one of the greatest challenges in all the Bible to do one very important thing. Trust in him. Trust in him. It's as simple as that. It sounds as simple as that, but saying it and doing it are two different, very different things, and I've, I've learned that to be so. If Abraham would have been able to go forward in time, if he would have been able to skip to the fourth day of that journey, if he would have been able to see God physically, uh, tangibly provide for that moment that that test that God brought him through do you think that he would have trusted him well of course and we know that Abraham did trust him but put yourself in that position would you have trusted him not being able to go in time not being able to see ahead what God has in store the provision that God had in place would you still trust him now apply that to your life the, the, the minuscule things, the little things, because they pale in comparison to anything that Abraham is facing in this moment. Do you trust God enough to provide? This is a conviction to me more than anyone else in this room. Are we willing to have faith in God to know that He's powerful enough and that He loves us enough that if we'll follow Him and we'll do His will, no matter what circumstances we're, we're faced with, God will provide. He'll see us through. Do we have enough faith to trust Him? I remember, um, I remember when we were, Kaylee was in the second trimester with uh, Bennett, our firstborn. And uh, I'll never forget just the anticipation, the excitement of all of that. And it's our first child, and it's a boy. I'm so excited about all that, just thinking of all the things, all the, uh, the things we're, we're going to be able to do together, and just really looking forward in anticipation to the birth of our firstborn son. And I'll never forget, we were on our way back from a, a basketball game in Monroe, where I'm originally from, about an hour and a half from here, and it was a very intense game, very intense game. And if you know Kaylee and I at all, 
you know that we cannot help but get into the action. We cannot help but to be just as intense as everyone else, if not more. We're cheering on our, our players. We're just excited. We ended up winning the game. I mean, it was so loud in there, you couldn't even hear yourself talking. It was just an amazing night of sports. We ended up winning the game by one. We're all excited about it. We're on our way back from Monroe, and I'll never forget going through the, the Carolina Place Mall, the Pineville area, as we're going into Gastonia there, passing the Charlotte Airport. I'll never forget all of a sudden, uh, Kaylee was just overtaken by this just immense pain, this, this, this terrible pain, pain that I have never seen her um, demonstrate. And immediately, of course, what do you think? You think, well, it has something to do with pregnancy. You immediately think it has something to do with your child. Um, as the circumstances, the situation unfolded, um, we had every reason to believe um, that we very well could have lost our child. Some of you maybe have been there, and God's brought you through that. So you can understand the fear that I was consumed with. i never forget she called her doctor. Uh, we were traveling with Pastor Hooks. And I believe Connor was in the vehicle with us, someone else. But we were in the back seat. She called her doctor. And they said, come in right now. This is very serious. From the description of things that are happening, we believe, just want to prepare you mentally that you may have lost your child. Um, so we went immediately to the hospital. We were there at the emergency room until 6 a.m. Next day was a Saturday. Um, and I'll just never forget in that moment as we're waiting to be taken back, you know, I was holding Kaylee's hand, and she was the strength for me in that moment. And I'll never forget her, um, to a, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'll never forget something to this effect. She grabbed my hand. She said, honey, listen, no matter what happens, we know that God is in control ultimately. And if this is to be the case, we know that God works all things together for good. We know that he's doing this for a reason. Are we going to trust him? And I was just, um, I was smote with conviction in that moment, to be honest with you. And I said, let's pray. And we prayed. We're there till 6 a.m. We found out that the test came back, and he was totally fine. Now, knowing him, you would know that he probably started all that ruckus and, and, uh, and just wanted to scare us. But I just remember that moment being so consumed with fear. Now, listen. In that moment, I'm going to be honest with you, my, my flesh was weak. I failed the Lord in that moment. And if I could have seen ahead, if I could have seen the outcome at 7 a.m. and known that everything was going to be okay with not only our child but with my wife, if I would have seen that, I would have certainly went about the whole situation with a different uh, in, in a different manner. I would have certainly said, you know what, Lord? You're in control of it all. I believe you. I trust you. You're going to work things out. But here's the thing, church. We can't always see. We can never see. Am I saying? We can never see what God is going to do. We just have to trust Him that He will do what He desires to do and that it will be for our good and ultimately for His glory. That's all we can know. And based upon the promises of the Word of God, we can know these things. So I ask you again, 
In the moments of fear and desperation and and failure and weakness, in in, in the moments of, of total dependence upon something or someone, will you trust in God? Will you have enough faith that he will see you through? Now, I'll tell you that the other flip side of that story is that everything was okay, and I'll never forget the thankfulness that I had in my heart. And I'll never forget that Saturday went by. We were exhausted from being at the emergency room all night long. We were exhausted. We came home. We rested. And then we prepared for the next worship service on Sunday morning. And we sang the song that morning. I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, this was already planned. But me and Heidi and Kaylee, we sang the song, God's Been Good. We could not even make it through the song. Maybe some of you remember that. I don't know. But we could not emotionally make it through the song. I'll never forget looking down at my mother-in-law. She immediately began to weep as she began to think of God's goodness. And I'll never forget just being so consumed with thankfulness and praise and God, you're so good, but hey, if God would have decided to take him, would I still have stood up here and saying, God's been good? That is a convicting thought. That is something that we all should think and ask ourselves that question, how strong is our faith? We see here Abraham's confidence, and I'm moving very quickly, Abraham's confidence. Look with me in verse 7 and verse 8. The Bible says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now I think of this from a father's perspective. And I can only imagine Bennett looking up at me, knowing what I'm taking him to, and saying, Dad, I see everything for the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? I think in that moment, I would have taken him by the hand and turned around and gone back. I don't think I could have continued on in the journey. But we see a beautiful example here of the faithfulness of God and the confidence of God's servant. Look with me in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide. He doesn't say, I think God's going to provide. No, no, no. He says with confidence, at least from what we read, God will provide. I can imagine he said it, being consumed with emotion. Listen, son, God will provide a lamb. You may not know what's happening. I may not know what's happening for the most part, but I do know that God will provide a lamb. Scripture doesn't expound on many details about the private thoughts and the feelings of Abraham or Isaac in this story. So much of it is left uh, for imagination. Uh, But as we apply the human element to all of this, we see uh, that he was consumed here with so many thoughts of fear and anxiety and emotion. Put yourself in this place. But in Hebrews 11... Verse 17, turn with me very, very quickly. Hebrews 11, chapter 11 and verse 17, I want you to see this. Look with me in verse 17, it says, 
by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Look with me in verse 19. According that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So we see here that Abraham was not doing this task alone. God was with him, and Abraham knew that. So Abraham had the assurance and the confidence in his heart that God would either provide an alternative route or literally raise Isaac from the dead. That's what Abraham believed. Would you believe that? I certainly would. I would be looking for every alternative route that I can conjure up in my mind. Abraham believed that God would either provide an alternative route or he believed that God would physically raise him up from the dead. Now, Abraham had all confidence in God as we, as we read here. We know that Abraham had confidence in God. So Abraham knew this, was, this would not be something that would be a surprise to Abraham, per se. He knew that God had the power to do this, and he was trusting him to do so. What's the lesson we learn here? God's not just seeking for our obedience. He's seeking for our confidence. Do you have enough confidence in God? Do you believe that he will sustain you, that he'll keep you, that he'll provide for you? 2020 has been a rough year for everybody. Do you believe that God will provide and give you strength to get through this? I believe that. And he certainly has for our church, and he's done it in, in a variety of ways. He's demonstrated it week in and week out. Praise God for the wonderful exhortations, convictions, and, and spiritual thoughts that we get from our pastor week in and week out. God's using him, and he is moving this church forward. I am so blessed and encouraged to be a part of it. I'm thankful. Do you believe that God will provide? I love the song, if there's anybody here who's found him faithful, anybody here who knows he's able, say amen. And I believe that every one of us, when we look back at the victories and the triumphs and all the times that God has seen us through our trials, uh, we can say with confidence in our hearts, amen, praise the Lord, to God be all the glory. We can say that with confidence tonight. I believe that. We see Abraham's confidence. We see Abraham's compassion. Look with me in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them up together. We see Abraham's compassion for his son. I believe it's a beautiful picture of God's loving compassion for his children. He was assuring. He was loving. He was tender. And he was leading. I love the end of this verse as it says, so they went both of them together. God will lead you. God will be with you through everything. He'll be there. What a wonderful assurance we have in the promises of God. We see Abraham's confidence, his compassion. We see Abraham's relief. Verse 9, look with me in verse 9. It says, And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I can imagine that this was certainly not an easy task. And I don't mean spiritually. I mean, physically, this was not an easy task. Now, now sure, Isaac was a little boy. And, and sure, Isaac loved his father, Abraham. And he trusted him even. But when it came down to it, and Isaac picked him up, put yourself in this, this is reality. This is as real as you and I uh, tonight. And he picked his son up and put him on uh, that, that, that offering. When he put him there, I can imagine that Isaac didn't just say, here, dad, pick me up, lay me down. 
take the fire, go ahead and burn me. That didn't happen. Put the human element to it. I can imagine that this was physically a struggle. If anything, that just intensified the pain, the anguish, the torment that was consuming Abraham's mind. But we notice here something interesting. God says, as we read, we find that God wouldn't let it happen. Look with me in verse 11. It says, and the angel of the Lord called unto him. This is after in verse 10, we see that Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11 says, and the angel of the Lord came or called unto him out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I, here am I. We see that Abraham's We see Abraham's proving. In this climactic moment, we find that Abraham's obedience was proven. His faith was proven. His love for God was proven. His fear of God was proven. But we notice something interesting. God says in verse 12, for now I know. Look with me in verse 12. The Bible says, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. But wait a second, God already knew. God already knew that Abraham would be faithful. He already knew that he would be obedient. So what do we learn here? We learn that God wanted Abraham to know. He wanted Abraham to know. He wanted Abraham to know that he was faithful, that he was all sufficient, that he would provide, that he would meet Abraham in his moment of fear and desperation. God never wanted Isaac. God never wanted Isaac. He wanted Abraham, and he wanted all of him. Every ounce of his being, God wanted Abraham. Can I tell you something tonight? God doesn't just want a little bit of your heart. This applies to every single one of us. God doesn't want just a little bit of your heart, a little bit of your mind, a little bit of your soul. He wants it all. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Jesus wants all of us, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. If he does not have all of you, may you determine in your mind and in your heart and in your soul that God, tonight, you will have all of me. I will trust you. I know that you'll provide. We see lastly here, Isaac's substitute. Look with me in verse 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the, in, uh, the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, meaning God will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Well, look at that. God did provide. God did provide for Abraham's need. He did answer his prayer. I want to tell you something tonight. We serve a God that hears, and he does answer our prayer. We serve a God that longs to meet the needs of his children. And can I tell you, far beyond any earthly need, far beyond any physical need, far beyond any temporal need, we need for Jesus Christ, we need for him to consume our hearts and our soul and our mind, and we need salvation. We need restoration. We need the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our soul. This is the picture here. Don't miss it. 
I've expounded on the story. We've unpacked this story as we looked in Genesis chapter 22. We've seen Abraham's obedience. We've seen his faith demonstrated. But this is the theme of the message. Isaac was not the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the substitute on the cross for what? For you and for me. There's one contrast here we find between this story and the story of Jesus Christ. Listen here, I'll be done quickly. When Abraham lifted up his hand to smoke the heart of Isaac, his only son, his only beloved son, God stopped him and God made another way. We know this because we read of this. When Christ was hanging on the cross, there was no one to stop God from smoting the heart of his only beloved son. For there was no other way. Jesus Christ was our substitute. Now there's two things that we need to take away from this event in the life of Abraham. First, that God will provide. He'll provide strength. He'll provide peace. He'll provide assurance in every season of our life. Many of you are going through a, a, a lot of change right now. God will provide strength. He'll provide the answers you need. Seek Him, trust Him, follow Him daily. So we see the mighty hand of God's provision every step of the way. That ought to make us alone praise Him tonight. That ought to make us alone thank Him tonight. So through this account that's recorded for us, we can know that God will provide, but there's something else we also are reminded, and if you don't remember anything else from the sermon tonight, dwell on this. We are reminded of what God has already provided. He's provided a lamb, Jesus Christ, the holy lamb of God. This is perhaps one of the greatest pictures of, of Christ's substitutionary atonement on the cross. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This passage of Scripture is one of the clearest foreshadowing stories of the work of Jesus Christ. God not only provided for Abraham, but he has also provided his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Eternal life. That's what God has provided for you and for me. Jesus is the provision for you and for me. You see, the beautiful thing about God's Word is that although it has amazing stories, very intense, dramatic stories as we read of tonight, and illustrations just like this, stories that we can learn from and we can draw from in moments of weakness, and moments of fear, but can I tell you something tonight? The Bible is not essentially good advice. The Bible is essentially good news. That is what the Bible essentially is. It is good news. What is that good news? That good news is Jesus Christ. And through this story of Abraham and Isaac, may we be reminded tonight, may it provide strength. May it provide edification. Uh, may it encourage our hearts, convict our hearts of our lack of obedience and our lack of faith. But may it remind us of the most important thing. And that is that Jesus Christ was and is the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.